Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Dim Gaither Podcast, episode 33. Is it 33? Episode 33. And uh, my guest today is going to be Darren Carter, the party starter. Uh, good guy. Every time I go into Hollywood, it seems like I see Darren Carter, and he's just a really hardworking, funny guy, one of the nicest guys in comedy, one of the funniest uh, guys in comedy, one of the most hardworking. He's got a kid, and... Uh, um, seems to really be a, a great dad and just a good dude. And uh, so I'm excited to have him on. We're going to call him right now. Hope you guys are doing good. Calling Darren Carter. Hi, Darren. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Are we live on the air? Well, we're kind of live. I mean, as it, it's being recorded, but no one else can hear us, so we're not really live. No, I know. I mean, uh, have we started, like, right now? Hell yeah, man. We're in it. All right. Unless, live, unless you needed some, uh, some prep time. No, I'm good. No, I'm totally good. I just wanted to make sure I was in my car and got my earbuds going. Yeah. It was, I, it was perfect. Good, buddy. Did you have a good boxing? Where do you work at? A boxing gym? Yeah, I, I, uh, I worked, it's called, it was called Pullman's, Pullman's Gym, and then, uh, he partnered with Buddy McGirt. He's a Buddy was a big fighter in the nineties and, yeah. and a trainer. I know who that is. So these guys, yeah, yeah, these guys are cool, man. It's, it's all. It's, when I go there, it's mostly the pros, and uh, and it's kind of nice that they uh, they've kind of accepted me and let me do my thing. And I stay out of everyone's way, and uh, sometimes they'll give me little tips and little advice or joke with me and stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I bet it is. It's really cool being around. Uh, a, Guys, guys of that caliber, and even you know Joy, you know Joy, um, Joy Medina, right? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, he was a pro boxer, yeah. and I was talking to him about that, and and you know those guys, even way after they retire, like like you can swing at them or something, and just out of instinct, they'll just move and just slap you right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, dude, it was great because he. Um, yeah, I got him to come to the gym a couple times. Yeah. And, and you know, the, I talked to John Pullman, that's one of the trainers that, you know, trains these pro fighters. And he's like, yeah, he goes, I, I could totally tell Joey used to be a fighter. You know, even though Joey's down in his 50s and he's, you know, a little, got kind of a big gut or whatever. <laughs> we love you, Joey. Did you hear this? But, <laughs> but yeah, oh yeah. And Joey was like, yeah, dude, when I see them sparring up there, like, oh, I know, like, I could. Like, you know, like, it's in his mind what he knows he would do. He goes, but, dude, he said he can kick out for maybe 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's how that's how wrestling is for me. I, I, I've still got it for a minute, but it, it's so hard. You forget how hard it is. The other day, I was uh, I was driving, and I was stuck in traffic, and there's this huge hill by my house, and there was this older guy, and he looked like he was Hispanic or something, and he was wearing, like, he was, like, probably in his 50s, and he had, like, combat boots on, 
and he was in, a, in like full sweats, and he was just making himself trudge up this hill. And you could tell that like he wow. probably used to be a fighter or something, and he like just wanted to see if he yeah. could still do it. I was just wondering all these things, like what the fuck is that guy doing? Like he still had a belly, but he still had, he had a belly, but he had this really like square head. And he just like like a tough old dude, and I just wanted to know his story. Like, you know, were you a fighter, and you know, you're just I don't know. Did you watch Rocky, and now you, you're out? <laughs> yeah. it's you know. funny you said that because I was reading this book about. I think Joe Frazier wrote it, or somebody. Like, I read a couple different books on boxing, and and uh, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. I think it was Joe Frazier, and he he uh, and in his book he he recommends like. He's like uh, doing the old school, just putting on some army boots and running out there in the streets. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, that's what Muhammad Ali <laughs> used to do. Those guys were crazy. Yeah, I heard Buddy McGirt talk about that. Like that's some of the, the stuff I've heard them. I picked up in the gym, and they'll he'll be like, "All right, I want you doing, you know, two a days tomorrow." He goes, "I want you running before you get here." I, I hear him tell the fighter, and he goes, "He goes out there in the street. I want you running, shadow boxing, you know." He goes, we don't do treadmills here, man. Treadmills is for cubicle guys, for office workers. <laughs> 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 and there was just, yeah, I heard that. I'm like, yeah, there's something to that. You know, where you're actually out there at the, you know, whether it's Griffin Park or running on a trail or running on a track. or It's way better when you're, you are moving your body as opposed to just the thing underneath you moving. What, and it's also more of an accomplishment, and there's also the aspect of when you're on a treadmill, you can stop at any time. When you get two miles from your house, you can walk, but it's going to take you a hell of a lot longer to get home. <laughs> you know, and once you put yourself out there, you're like, well, I got to turn. Like, the longest I've ever ran is 11.3 miles at one time. And if I would have known how close I was to a half marathon, I would have just done it. But. I got to where I was like, I knew I was at least five and a half miles from my house, and I was feeling great, and then it just dawned on me, you still got to go home, dummy. And <laughs> <laughs> I know. I used to run without, without just keys. Like, all I had was my keys, and I didn't even carry, like, phone, wallet, nothing. And then, you know, then I remember, like, uh, once we had our kid, I was like, my wife goes, you know, you should really carry your phone, and also, like, at least twenty dollars or something, just in case you gotta like catch a cab in a hurry or something. Yeah, yeah. I guess having a kid changes everything, but I I do like the freedom of not having anything. Sometimes I, I usually run with music, but sometimes I'll make myself not run with music because. And what I tell myself, and then I read something that I read that Louis C.K. kind of feels the same way. So I was like, all right, well that's cool. Um, I was, I was, uh, I don't run with music because I figure there's going to be hard shit in your life and there's never going to be a soundtrack with it to help you do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I run without music, it sucks and it's hard, but I also have to, makes me think and just, you know, breathe and all that stuff and just do something that's hard without music. It, I think there's like mental value in it and I'm always looking oh, for man, any, Yeah. Thanks, That's buddy. a good idea. Yeah. It's funny because sometimes I don't, I, I never took that philosophy, but I, I like guys to try that. I, but I have run to see what it's like because I'm so used to listening to a podcast when I run or, or listening to music when I run mm -hmm. that sometimes it is nice just to hear your own footsteps and your own breathing and, and yeah. just be out there and really soak up what you're doing and, and it feels great. 
Plus, plus having uh, headphones in, I've almost killed myself a couple times. Like there'll be a street that I, that has like, you know, it'll be a. I won't have the go ahead to go, but they have a red light, so I just go ahead and run anyway. And if I have the wrong music and I'm all fired up, <laughs> I ran across the street and damn near got myself killed before. So I gotta take it easy on that. You're, like, you're running. I can't drive 55. And you're like, yeah, I gotta go 60. Well, what am I doing? I'm a person. I'm not even a car right now. <laughs> yeah man uh i was telling well, before i on the intro of the podcast i was telling people that um you are uh you're somebody that i see almost every time i go to hollywood um you're you're one of the hardest working guys in hollywood and in my opinion one of the funniest and one of the nicest like i always feel like i can just come up to you and uh talk to you and you'll be like a normal person um you know, and and oh man, likewise. Thank you. There's there's something that I know, man. It's like this this town can just really wear on you. You know, I mean, I've been I've been in it for a long time, and even and there's no comfort level. Because I shouldn't say no comfort level, but there. What's that, buddy? You know, I'm sorry, you cut out a little bit. Oh, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. You said there's no comfort level. And then you cut out. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of get comfortable for a little while where you're like, you know, like you're, you know, working all the clubs, everyone respects you, you're, you know, you walk into a room, people, but then that, that can kind of go away because the next hot comic comes along and then, and you're just, and you kind of, you see the ups and downs of it. So I think just being in here long enough, it's kind of, I mean, I think I've always started out as a nice person, I guess, but like, it's really just kept me humble because I realized any of this stuff can just go away. So it's like, I don't let any of my, uh, you know, anything, any of my accomplishments, because you know what I mean? Yeah. When you see somebody and they have a little bit of an accomplishment and then all of a sudden they kind of blow you off, it doesn't feel good. So I, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't think that's the right thing to, to treat people. Well, I think sometimes that happens too with people who uh, didn't have to, uh, didn't have to do some of the shit we had to do, you know, like, you know, yeah. t it taking it long as long as it has to get any kind of notoriety, and no, you know, even though we've been like, I remember you've been do you've been doing this well for a long, long time, you know, and you've earned every bit of it. Yeah. Um, you've earned every bit of it, so yeah, there's no value in being a a dick to people because not only can it go away, but some of these people that get it too quickly, it, it seems like they're the ones who. Oftentimes, like, I don't want to mention any names, but there was one guy in Hollywood that I was kind of friendly with, and then some big things happened to him, and I said hi to him once, and he kind of, he kind of blew me off, and I, and I, I couldn't help it, I just, out loud, was like, just saying hi, buddy, don't fucking want anything from you, and he, like, looked, looked kind of, he looked kind of weird at me, like, and then he goes, hey, man, how are you, and I wanted to go, God, you're a fake motherfucker, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know. Yeah, and and, and I, read this, I read this I read this great quote a long time ago, and I always and I think about it all the time. Uh, never get so busy making a living you forget to make a life. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, I, 
Yeah. I have... It's the best feeling, yeah, especially when it's going well yeah. and and the uh, you know the crowd. I, I love when crowds get the little stuff, you know, um, and and they're you know I, I bitch about crowds being not as good as they used to be and all that stuff, but I think I've just gotten used to it. And sometimes I have to. Uh, sometimes now on stage, I try to step back and like appreciate, like look at people's individual faces and just think to myself like. This is pretty cool what you're doing right now for a living, you know, that they're going to pay you after this yeah. and you're going back to a hotel room that someone else paid for and then you're going to get on a flight that hopefully someone else paid for and it's all because, yeah. you know, you were, you know, you were given an ability and you were able to do something with it and, and, uh, and I also forget sometimes that it's supposed to be fun. Isn't it funny how serious we take fucking comedy, <laughs> you know, totally. you know, yeah. Greg yeah, Warren said that to like, me. I told him, I told Greg Warren I was nervous about something, and or and and he was like, you know, man, at the end of the day, you just gotta always remember it, it's just comedy. That's all it is. It, you know, if, if you yeah. tell a joke that yeah. doesn't get what it's supposed to get or whatever, um, and that kind of takes me back to why it's hard to stay comfortable in Hollywood because on the road, you pretty much know that you're gonna get what kind of crowds you're going to get and that they're going to be for the most part good and blah, blah, blah. And in Hollywood, you can have great shows and then the very next day at the same time slot, you can have a horrible show because the crowd's like foreign or super liberal or whatever the problem, whatever their deal is. Um, yeah. You just never know what the hell you're going to be dealing with. And you can do the same jokes the, def the, the night after and just, I've eaten shit before and, uh, and been like, man, I destroyed last night. What is the deal? I know. I, and it's, it's, uh, it's, sometimes it's a mental game. Even with a, it's why I love, I love the Dude, my, my. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm sorry. She's gonna keep doing that.
a fundraiser, and it was a, there was a packed crowd that had been drinking a lot. <laughs> so you got you kind of had to like, you know, do all your A stuff. Yeah, that's when you got to know <laughs> that it's not yeah, a good time yeah, to like try I, your new I, shit. Yeah, and I riffed, but anything I did knew was like if I was improvising or riffing. But but like uh, you know, earlier in the week, like I went to the Hop Cafe for their workout Wednesdays, and I said, you know, that's, I'm gonna go there not just to do the try and true. I'm gonna actually work some stuff out. And uh, it recorded, and it, it, went, it went pretty good. And that's at the Ha Ha they do that on Wednesdays? Yeah, it worked out Wednesday and on Wednesday, and then I did a, I did something else the very next night, and it got and it was cool because the fit got a little bit tighter. And then, you know, how it is, I did something. One of the new things that I did earlier in the week, I tried it on, like, I think Sunday, and it didn't go well. I'm like, shit. But it was just one line, so whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I've been. Uh, I was just in my garage before I uh, called you, and I worked out a. Uh, it's a four-minute bit, and I know it's funny because it's all true, and you know one of those story. Yeah. One of those stories you've kind of been telling other people. I've been telling other people my whole life because it's just kind of funny now, and so I, I I told the story into my little recorder, and it's four minutes without laughs, obviously, and uh, I think I got the wording of it and all that, and it's exciting. I can't wait to go and try that chunk. And there's a uh, there's an open mic or it's not an open mic it's a book show but uh, flights we were talking about that in El Segundo he'll let me come up there pretty much any time any any Tuesday and try five minutes so I'm gonna start doing that every Tuesday and I'm gonna go to the I'm gonna go to the comedy store every Monday night starting tonight you know I've been pretty um, sporadic in my comedy store ventures because I've been late you know I had a pretty busy summer and when I get home I just I don't feel like doing shit. <laughs> I know, but they, uh, it's funny. I hadn't got a spot at the comedy store in a while, and they uh, they gave me a fallout spot. Like they called me up and were like, "Hey, can you come down here on Friday?" So that was Friday was an interesting night. I did Long Beach Laugh Factory. I had to be there at eight thirty, and then I had to be at the comedy store at one forty five. So I had, a, I had a lot of time in between. One forty five in the morning, you had to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, and that it's that, that's the funny thing about this business too. Like sometimes there'll be club bookers or cl- clubs or whatever that I sort of write off mentally. Like, well, I guess I'm just not going to work there anymore. And then they'll they'll reply to an email that was sent to them like in January of 2013. <laughs> like, are you available this week? And I'm like, yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> you know, um, and if you're funny and you just keep trying and and you know, you can always, you know, I've been doing this for a living now for almost 17 years, and even when I think, like, shit, I guess after December I'm unemployed or whatever, stuff just always kind of comes to you. If you, as long as you stay positive and keep kind of throwing it out there, what you do, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. The, especially if you're being positive, like... Yeah. So I love to like shoot little quick videos and then some of it will be gold and I'm like, oh cool, then I'll save it to my camera roll and then tweet out that video or put the videos up on Facebook and just to kinda keep hitting those pots of hands, keep it keeping on people's minds. So like, so it doesn't have to be live, is that what you're saying? The insta what? Yeah, it doesn't have to be live. You go to go to Instagram and you see that those little circles. 
people's profiles, and there's a red. Those, that's, that's for Insta stories. Okay. And it, and it lasts for 24 hours. The video will be up for 24 hours. But, like, I'll even shoot some stuff on stage. Like, right now, uh, well, not by, by the time this podcast goes out, like, they probably won't see it, but you can check it out after we hang out. But, like, like I'll, I'll sometimes bring out the camera at the end of my comedy shows, and I'm like, I'll do, like, a quick bit and kind of get people that are online, like, a little 15-second taste. Yeah. And the Insta story things, they don't go, they don't go on the uh, on social media until you post them. Exactly. Yeah, you you, you shoot it and then you decide like, yeah, I'm gonna post that. And if you don't, it disappears in 24 hours. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Well, shit, man, I can do that. God, I'm always I, okay. Yeah, totally. That way, and then people can respond. Like sometimes they'll send you a message and be like. Hey, me too, or that's funny, or whatever, you know? Like, yeah. And I don't, not everything has to be funny on there. Like, um, you know, when you watch, like, these stories of, like, different fighters, like, if it's just two guys fighting UFC or boxing or whatever, and I don't know anything about them, I don't really, I'm not that invested in them. But once you find out, oh, wow, this guy's been, he's from, you know, whatever, you find out the story, like, oh, he's got, you know, two kids, his dad was in the Marines, he's, whatever. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's the world we live in. Like, we can't just be like Tim Gaither on stage. Like, they want to kind of know, like, you know, it's, it's, and, 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 and sometimes we may beat ourselves up and be like, no one cares that I'm eating a salad right now, but you would be surprised. <laughs> you would be surprised. Because well, that's a th- are interesting. I thought, yeah. I was just going to say, that's the thing. I, I you know, I kind of... Every idea I have, I'm like, nah, no one wants to see that shit. (laughs) Okay, here's a good example, okay? So I did this last night, I had this thought. It's not even a joke, I just tweeted it out. And people respond, you know, I put it on Facebook, people, and and all it was is, it wasn't even a joke. You try and try and try to, like, put a joke out there, and you're like, no, no one really reacted. But I just wrote something so simple, like, I go, I hate when I love a product, and then they discontinue it, and it goes away. And people related to that, you know? Huh. You know, like, if there's a certain thing that you like, let's say a certain, like, type of shoe, and then they just discontinue it. You're like, damn it! <laughs> you know, for the long, longest time, I used to wear this one kind of, like, lucky brand jeans. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah, we don't make those anymore. I'm like, what? I know what you mean. Like, I, I hate when I go to a, I, mean? I hate when I go to a fucking restaurant. And, uh, like, there's this Mimi's Cafe down the street, and they had this awesome steak salad. And I'm not a big salad guy, but this thing was great. And uh, it was the only reason we went there. And then I went, and they discontinued it. And I felt like I was 75 years old. I was like, well, let's just go then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm, like, pissed yeah, on this place. Way. I'm out of here. Uh, yeah, there's a, yeah, they did that at Jimmy Buffett's. Jimmy Buffett's uh, Margaritaville. Like, my wife and I, we went to... It just opened up at Universal City Walk, and we and we went there. We loved like they had like this like a shrimp appetizer, and they had uh, I think an artichoke dip. And get this, here's the funniest thing: they said they discontinued it because it was too popular. What? Yeah. What do you mean it was too popular? They goes, yeah, because people would come in here and order it, and it takes a really long time to prepare, so it would back up the kitchen like a half hour, and so all the meals would be pushed out late because it was too popular so they had to like cut it out 
That's that's as bad as when Comedy Central rejected me for this thing, and they said it was because I was too polished. I was like, well, I'm sorry that I've gotten sorry that I've gotten good at this and I actually know my fucking act, you assholes. Yeah, I know. I don't know, but the other guy they rejected was also a professional, so I think that was their their issue for some reason. Yeah. Were you? Uh, I'm sorry. I was gonna. I, I wanted. I wanted to ask you if you. Can you hear me? Yeah. So before you ask me, I want to. I want to mention something about being too polished. Okay, please do. see the three edited minutes you're like god of all the three minutes those are the ones you chose out of that 50 you know like would you throw a dart at it i mean wh- i don't understand but, i know she's like yeah i guess it was three minutes because that's all they can play on the radio because they're really like music driven yeah you're like that's fine oh, but why not why waste 47 minutes of my time <laughs> i know and then i just dropped down there and was like, oh. yeah Anyways, I, I was just asking if uh, if you were funny as a kid. I just I picture you. I I can picture you as a child. At least I think. I just picture you being the exact same, yeah. but much shorter. And uh, <laughs> yeah, more red hair. <laughs> yeah, I was actually really funny. I was funny if I was comfortable around people. It wasn't like you know. Yeah, I remember getting big laughs early on. And it was super fun, and it's it's a, it's really interesting see my kid like grow up and like he's 10 years old now and he's a funny kid like it's cool when I see him like strangers don't even know him will stop and like 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 laugh at the things he's doing or yeah. want to take a photo of him or something you know, he's just a regular funny kid and I'm like he's funnier than me <laughs> I mean like he comes up with some shit 
there. I'm like, how the hell do you think of that? Like, he puts two and two together that things that yeah, I would never come up with. It's just yeah. Like wow. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I hope if I have a kid that that they don't mimic too much of the shit I say because I say some pretty off stuff sometimes just kidding around and uh, I can just see them going yeah, to school yeah, yeah. and like <laughs> repeat, yeah. repeating some yeah. of the shit that I say and, and getting in trouble but I guess I'll deal with that at a later date um, how, when, when, when did you know you wanted to do this for a living? was there like a, a moment for you? or? yeah you know I, I guess like so I started when I was about 19, back, you know, and uh, I remember like that first, well, because I did like a, like basically my comedy routine, I did it in speech class. Like I would do these speech tournaments and go to different schools and, and I was basically doing a 10 minute stand-up routine, but uh, and at the end, you know, you're supposed to have a like point and you know, you like, you do your, your 10 minutes and at the end you go, and that's why censorship is bad or whatever. Yeah. And they would always say, like, hey, it was really funny, but you need to have more of a point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but it was, so I remember when I went to, I started hitting up, like, like there was this group in my hometown friends that they were called the Comedy Crew. And they, uh, right away, I mean, not, I, not, I mean, man, like maybe my second or third show, I started getting paid like 25 bucks. So it was great. Like, I was getting paid, and I would go out and, and, do, and then listen, my, I'm not saying my stuff was like genius by any means, but I, I did get laughs early on. I wasn't like these lame ass open micers that you see that are just like, what are you thinking? Man. You know, and then again, it was a different time, like, you know. Yeah, I, I still I still hate the feeling I get when they don't laugh at something I intend them to laugh at, you know? And I see guys now that don't look like they get bothered by that at all. And part of it, part of me is envious, and the other part of me is like, just get out of this. You don't even, <laughs> you don't even know you suck, you know? Yeah, I think, yeah. And also, maybe now, like, the comedians might be trying to emulate, like, Louis C.K. or somebody, so they're, they're trying to just talk and not really entertain, so they're not... And when it goes bad, it goes really bad. And when I came up, you know, 25 years ago, it was a lot of, like, kind of what I do now but it was even more it was like it was, at least it was entertaining it was impressions sound effects like wacky faces I mean at least it was yeah and you know. I feel like like people who think that they can just go up and talk like Louis C.K. don't realize that Louis C.K. had been doing this for 20 years before anybody knew who he was it's not like he just went up there and started talking you know it took a long time for him to become that confident and all that to even to even start writing as much as he as he did, but it, it does show yeah. you how it can be done. And even like sitting in my garage and just banging out that four minutes and like in like thirty minutes, I it, I did it. You know, like if you want to do it, you can sit down and write all kinds of time. George Carlin, I was just talking to my buddy about this. He boiled it down to a minute a week. He wrote one minute, one workable minute a week, and at the end of the year, he had a yeah. new 50. And that's, when you look at it that way, it's like, well, shit, I could write a new workable minute probably every day if I wanted to, you know? I know. So think about the times that we listen to our tapes and really take notes and really, it's amazing how much better we do get, and we just got to remember to do that to where we, you know, like you said, it's back to the... When you say you told people some stories, like just in conversation, that's kind of how the early stand-up works sometimes, you know? Like, like I'll, 
somebody a story, and I'm like, oh, that's the funny part. And then you just, you recreate that conversation somewhere else. And, oh, that's the funny part. Look, you're right in there. And then, and then when you get around, like, another funny person or comedian, sometimes they'll, they'll tag it, you know? Yeah. Well, even today when I... Even today, when I wrote, when I did it into my audio recorder, um, when I when I played it back and was listening to it, I, I've you, you can find taglines in what you just said. You're like, oh, tag that with that, and then and then you just go, and then you just do it over again into the same recorder and listen to yourself. And before you know it, you know that stuff. And and then the fun part comes when you come on stage. And you know what I've noticed sometimes when I do brand new stuff is like my heartbeat changes and I can feel my neck kind of tighten up a little bit, like some, like getting excited a little bit or nervous or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Totally. Yeah, okay. Well, that's good to know because that bothers me. Sometimes I'll go into a new bit and I'm like, what is going on in my insides right now? Why do I, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, you don't know exactly the words and sometimes they throw in too many words. And, yeah. You know, like I was trying to get to some, I thought of some silly little pun. But it, it did really well the other night, and uh, and basically the, the joke was so Black Lives Matter. The, the, the punchline is uh, I say Black Wives Matter as a wife, you know? Yeah. Black Wives Matter, but it did great. Like the <laughs> the first two times I did it, uh-huh. cause I, but, but but I think it did because I riffed it. Like there was a black couple and she was married, and how long you've been married, and then. Yeah. And then the next next time I did it, it did good. And then I said it the wrong way at third, like a third night. <laughs> it didn't really do well. <laughs> yeah, man. Right, yeah. right after one of those shootings, um, that one of those like like really publicized black guy gets shot by a cop shootings. I was at a show and and there was this black guy in the front and he reached for his drink and then he kind of pulled his arm back and I go, "You can get your drink. I'm not going to shoot you." And uh, and it got this huge laugh because it was just in the moment and whatever. I mean, the place just lost it. Yeah, it's funny. And then, yeah. and then the next night, I just, I just did it like I planned on doing it, and it just, you know, sometimes doesn't. Sometimes things don't come out the right way, or people don't hear it exactly the right way, or a waitress will drop a fucking tray or something right at the time you're saying something, and then it just yeah. sounds completely. Yeah. Your great joke just all of a sudden sounds completely off. And everyone's looking at you like you're an asshole, and you're like, "No, wait! Last night there was a guy. Fuck. <laughs> That's what you want to say, but you can't." Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'll be in it sometimes, and I'll even call it like I said this the other night. I go, like when that joke didn't work, the Black Lives Matter joke didn't work. Mm-hmm. I was like, I go, there's nothing worse than doing a new joke, and it's new and it's kind of racial, so people don't. It makes it extra like scary to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just did. Uh, I just did Richmond, Virginia, which was almost an all-black crowd every night, and uh, man, they were so fun. I, I enjoy the heck out of. Uh, I really want to get on like BET or or something. I mean, I, I enjoy black audiences, and they seem to like me. And I want to figure out a way to. Uh, and black people come out to your shows too. If they like you. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's great. It's like. Like a lot of black people in the audience, you know, like, you know, 
Sometimes... Oh, absolutely, it's different. There's, uh, it's, it's definitely a little. You, there, your, your list of things that they're gonna laugh at gets a lot shorter uh, when you go down to Compton. Yeah, Go back to making fun of our boss. Yeah, they don't give a shit about yeah, it. Yeah, same thing with the, with the, like, a, I know there's, like, there's a black audience, like, they'll go with me, but then, like, if it's an all-black audience, like, and all the comics are black, like, they'll go with me, but if I go too far into, like, so they might go, boy, I was walking away, it's kind of, like, boring to them. <laughs> you know? Like, 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 you know what I mean? Like, because I'm not talking about, like, any, like, you know, entertainer, like, you know, John Legend or... Yeah, yeah, I know. But you're right, it is great. It's smart to like to if you have funny stuff that you think of, you know. Do you, by the way, I just I gotta probably wrap up in a couple minutes. I gotta I got that this in the day, so I gotta get ready. It's over at Warner Brothers, but um. Oh, you do? Has uh, I'll, well, I'll let you go then in just a couple minutes. Is uh, has Snoop Dogg ever seen your Snoop Dogg impersonation? Yeah. 
to sort of uh, kick me back to my childhood. Like it was all these. It wasn't any name brands. It was yeah. all like it was, it was strawberry and grape <laughs> and uh, you know maybe like orange or something. It was a bunch of weird shit. Like so vest like, pop. Oh, What's that? Vest pop. I remember that shit. Yeah, this one was called. I think in the West Coast we had like Shasta and Craigmont or something. Yeah, like yeah. Mark. There you go. Yeah. I remember that. It was like 19 cents a can. Yeah, I remember. But the part that I remember the most was I was like, I thought I haven't had strawberry soda in so long. Like, that I was like, you know, like a kid, you know? Yeah. So I remember like drinking it. It was like, it was very good. And then I got like another one. And I'm waiting and waiting. And then I'm like, you know what? Let me try that grape one. And, and, and so it's like, I, I lean in to get the, I'm digging around, I'm looking for the grape soda. And this, this little black kid rolls up on his bicycle. And he goes, come on, man, that's your third one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so that's, that's the story that I do. Like, yeah, I, tell, I do a little snip-dog impression, you know, kind of show why I got the gig. And then, and then I tell that awkward part about, you know. That shit's hilarious. What did you say to the kid? Did you get your third one? You know what? I think I, I, let, I think it's just that kid said that I kind of like stopped trying to get sodas. That's hilarious. I, think I left it in there. <laughs> I was like, no, that's cool. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, man, that's funny. One time I was at a I was at a go I was riding go karts in Arizona, and I had this just turd of a go kart, and it wouldn't go at all. And this little girl passed me, and she looks at me all pissed off, and she goes, "You're going too slow," and I like I was just <laughs> like I was just the biggest asshole. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, it's not my fault. The go kart. She's like, whatever, loser. <laughs> well, I'll let you go if you gotta go, buddy. Are you? What are you auditioning for? Do you have time to tell us what the worst gig you've ever done is, or do you have to go? Uh, I got, yeah, I got a couple minutes. Uh, worst gig I've ever done. God, there's so many. In fact, we usually block those out. We're like, oh, I don't ever want to remember this. I know. Um, I mean... I should have asked you this in advance. What's that? I said I should have asked you this in advance so you could have it have it prepared because yeah I've, I've blocked out most of mine like now if I have a really bad one I'm like that was in the top five shittiest of all time like <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing too like sometimes the shittiest gig doesn't really make a good story it's yeah like, like, well, you're like, eh, but then like like I have a good whenever I'm on radio and they ask that I have a go-to story but I don't it's not you know it's not really the worst gig but if they ask me hey, what was your worst gig or whatever I usually just talk about the time that I followed uh, Rodney Dangerfield, the Laugh Factory. Oh yeah. And it was one of those, and it was the night. It was one. You know how those the, the, those clubs are like people. More and more people keep leaving, and then as the night goes by, you've gone from a crowd of you know seventy five now it's down to like you know twenty two or whatever. And they're all spread and out then, and shit. The, yeah, they're all spread 
the MC kept begging everyone, don't leave, guys, don't leave. <laughs> all this shit. <laughs> and he's like, we got a special guest. And this is back when, you know, obviously when Rodney Dangerfield was alive. And uh, Rodney Dangerfield, he goes up, goes like 10 minutes, tries out some jokes. And then, at the time, oh, then I was next, and I was the last Comic-Con. And, and at the time, I think there was like a, a, a either a curtain or a door. There was something, I forget what it was. And I remember thinking, like, oh, man, like, when I'm on stage, I was like, I was like, okay, I better do my best bit so, that, so nobody leaves. And, uh, and it, was a, it was an excuse for me to do a Michael Jackson impression. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, you guys ever sing in the shower? When you're in the shower, you feel like you're that person. And I remember, like, going behind the curtain, and I was like, I can't look at the impression anymore, but I would be like, I'd be like, thank you so much, this is Michael. I'd be like, oh, me, like the river Jordan, smell it and say to me, to a mouth. And so I, I was singing like Michael, and then, I, and then the punchline is that I, I opened up the curtain, and then everybody in the crowd was gone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, heck, man, I, I need to come up with a bit like that because sometimes I want them to leave. Yeah. yeah. Well, that'll do it. If they're already tired, they want to go, just, you know, hide underneath your shirt or hide behind the curtain and people will go because they don't want you to make fun of them. So they're like, now's our chance. Yeah. Anybody who wants to leave, you got 10 seconds to do so. Then I'm going to come out from behind this curtain. <laughs> Because, yeah, one of the worst spots of my life was, was around that time at the Laugh Factory in that, in that midnight spot when you're like, it's usually like a huge star, and then there's one person behind him who's going to have a decent set, and then everyone starts to leave, and it's like doing comedy at a bus stop or something. And uh, that was one of the top five worst shows of my life, easily. And uh, we don't really have enough time to get into that one. But yeah, but yeah so I, I, I know exactly oh, what... I got, I got another little bad one, and then I'll, I'll let you go. I remember... I did a, a club. It's in super black crowds. It was a what's it called in Atlanta? The All Black Comedy Club. Um, the only thing I've done in Atlanta is the punchline. I, I think it's called Uptown. That's what it was. It was Uptown. Okay. Now they paid me great money and put me in a nice hotel, but it was just totally different. It was different than like when you do, you know, an improv, but it's urban. It's like it was. To- this is totally different. Like there was like. First of all, the show starts, I go, or I remember when I called the manager, I go, what time does the show start? And he goes, uh, show starts at 8 o'clock, so we'll pick you up at 9. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, all right. And so like, I remember they picked me up at 9, and then, and then it turns out that they would have like 12 comedians, like, you know, doing like little guest sets and stuff. Yeah. And so the crowd is just burnt out. And, uh, and I remember, how, you know, and it, 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 the good thing is, is um, I only had to do like 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, because of all the game sets. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I remember like doing okay. Like I would, I would do pretty good for 20 minutes. Like, okay, that's my time. Good night. And like, oh, no, I didn't, I didn't kill and I didn't bomb. I just would do like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But then I remember like um, on Saturday night, the early show. Jim, I'm telling you, I got a standing ovation. I, I, I killed. It was awesome. I went up with the fire. Bam, 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 just killed. Yeah. Also, the crowd was a little bit more mixed, a little bit older. 
you know, they, they were like more respectful. They just loved comedy, and they, they just, it was great. Yeah. But the, the late show, the late show, man, I bombed so hard, people just started talking, they started to sound like a, it sounded like a swarm of bees. <laughs> like, all you heard was like, just people trying to talk, talk. I felt like a substitute teacher who lost control. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was awful. And, like, and there's a DJ on there's a DJ on stage with you, by the way, as you're doing your thing. He's on the stage behind you. Yeah. <laughs> he's like he's playing some scratching and shit for your punchlines. Like he's like wicky wicky like hundred punchlines. <laughs> when it went well, it was awesome. But when you're bombing, it's like wicky wicky. It was just like oh my god. I feel like Oh, that's like my and worst so nightmare. Did, yeah. Yeah. I've been, I, I did. I was like, but I didn't even, you know, it's funny. I almost laughed at it in my mind because I was thinking, I was like, there's nothing I can do. This is just, this is just nothing I can do. Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not the right comedian for this audience. But, uh, but I tried my hardest. And I remember I went backstage in the green room. All 12 of those comedians, they were really quiet. Right when I walked in, like, oh shit, he's here. Yeah. And I, I made a quick little joke, broke the tension. And then I said, you know what? I go, I wonder if I should sell CDs. <laughs> and they all laughed, right? And then one guy, guy, one guy, one guy goes, he was totally serious. He goes, oh, man, I don't know, man. I wouldn't do that if I were you. He goes, but if you did, man, like, but don't do it by the door, though, man. Don't do it by the door. I would at least do it from the stage or something, man. Make them come to you. <laughs> You're like, I was kidding, dude. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go outside the club. And this other guy said something funny. I'll never forget. He goes, you know what, man? Fuck it. Sell CDs. That's true, and yeah. and some shows that I've just absolutely hated, I've sold a bunch of stuff after. So you just never freaking yeah. know when it comes you know, to merchandise. I making, I, that show I bought, I made thirty dollars because uh, somebody gave me ten bucks, and then somebody gave me twenty for a couple, and they were like almost like a pity, like they were like yeah, but like this couple, I remember they're like, we saw you in Miami, you were so funny. We don't know what's wrong with this crowd. You're you're really good, almost like stay in there, champ. You got this. Yeah. You know, like that. It was like a pep talk. <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about how great black audiences are, but when, when if you have a, like, I was in Richmond, Virginia a couple years ago, and I almost always have great shows there, and I had to do 50, 45, 50 minutes, whatever it was, and man, I, I think, and Buzz after the show goes, that is the worst crowd I've ever seen in here in my life. <laughs> oh, man, what's wrong? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the next night, the whole weekend was great, but that Thursday, dude, I mean, just for 50 minutes, it was like them kicking me in the balls after every joke. Uh, <laughs> but... You know, one thing I noticed, like, yeah, when I did that whole black crowd on Tuesday, I was like, it really showed me, like, there's certain jokes I have that don't have a good punchline. <laughs> yeah. You know, because when the crowd's with you already, everything, you know, it will work to some degree, but when... On some of my jokes, I'm like, oh, either my delivery lame right now, or just it kind of shows the it shows the holes, and it's almost like sparring. Like you learn, like, oh, I'm, that's pretty weak right there. I'm just relying on a on a mug or a funny face or thing as a punchline, and this it's not really working right now. Yeah, that's the danger in trying new stuff on a really hot crowd because you're not sure if it's really funny or not. Yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah. uh, I really, really appreciate you being on here, buddy. I think it was a good podcast, and uh, good luck on your audition today. And uh, Are you going to the comedy store tonight? Because I'll you. probably see you if I do. 
Yeah, he's great about that. He's great on social media. Follow him on all that stuff. And uh, is it is there anything special at? Is it just at Darren Carter? Yeah, Twitter is at Darren Carter, but Instagram is uh, you gotta go with official Darren Carter. But that's how you'll find me. Okay, cool, man. Well, thanks, buddy. Cool. Good l- good luck today. Thank you. Hey, good luck with the podcast, man. I'm I'm uh, really happy you have one. Yeah, I mean, I figured why not? Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Tim. I'll see you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Darren. Talk to you soon, okay. buddy. Bye-bye. Later, buddy. Bye. All right, everybody. That was Darren Carter, the party starter. Good dude. Funny guy. appreciate him being on, and I uh, appreciate you guys listening. Josh Heinrichs is going to play us out. Uh, go to timgathercomedy.com. I'm already booking 2018, and see when I'll be in a city near you. And I'll be in Hollywood for most of November and December. I've got one or two things I'm going to go out on the road for, but for the most part, I'm going to hang out at home and take care of some stuff, and uh, thanks for listening, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, go to makingithappen.com, as always, to uh, support little Bo Macon, and that's it. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
Everybody needs somebody 